As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hello, Legion of Audience. This is James. And before we get started today, I wanted to take a second and let you all know about the brand new Who Would Win Patreon. If you'd like to support the show and get behind-the-scenes access like you've never seen before, go to patreon.com slash whowouldwinshow right now. Who Would Win patrons will have access to outtake videos, early info on battles, and even get a vote on characters that we'll use in upcoming episodes. So if you'd like to support me and the show, head to patreon.com slash whowouldwinshow, and for as little as five bucks a month, you can define yourself as more than just a fan. You'll be an official member of the Legion. Hope to see you there. Two elder champions sit across from each other at a chessboard. One in a robe, the other a wheelchair. Knight to Queen Four, your move, Professor Xavier ushers his opponent forward. Good, Bishop to Knight Seven. Check, Emperor Palpatine grumbles. Knight to Knight Seven, check on you. Enough of this silly game. Palpatine spits as he flips the table over with the force and decides he'd rather engage in a much more personal battle. It's Headmaster versus Sith Lord. It's Onslaught versus Sidious. It's Professor Xavier versus Emperor Palpatine. Today on Who Would Win? And welcome to another episode of Who Would Win, a show that completely ignores anything important happening in the world and instead focuses on a fictional battle between two characters from the worlds of comics, sci-fi, and fantasy. I'm your host, James Gavsey, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Ray Stacanus. We have what can only be called a main event-style matchup for you today. In one corner, we have Emperor Palpatine, a.k.a. Darth Sidious, the ultimate evildoer and one of the most powerful Force users ever in the history of Star Wars, versus Charles Xavier, the powerful and iconic leader of the X-Men, and quite possibly the ultimate savior of mutant kind throughout the Marvel Universe. As usual, I did the patented Who Would Win Google test, just to see how many times this match has been discussed, and this matchup has indeed been discussed, dissected, argued, 
and debated for decades, mm-hmm. literally decades. I've seen evidence of this matchup being debated in the early 80s in these old files that wow. came up. That I guess it was discussed immediately after The Return of the Jedi was released, the film back in 1983, but it's never been given the who would win treatment. So in a way, this fight is long overdue for our fan base, the Legion of Audience. Ray, what are your thoughts in today's I matchup? I normally would shy away from these types of battles that are often discussed a little on the nose, but with Star Wars uh, being a thing that's, you know, popular and uh, Marvel Comics being another thing that is sort of popular, I just thought we'd throw a little bone kind of. to the, the the lowest rung of our fan base who every single time, you know, we, we say we need a, an opponent for this blue character and we get 92 blue characters suggested to us. You'd think they'd listen to the show once in a while. I feel okay insulting them because I know they're not here with us right now. You know, winning hearts and minds, as always, Race to Canis. Look, you got to kind of do a, a you know, SummerSlam, a Royal Rumble, WrestleMania, if you will, uh, in terms of a really cool matchup that has been discussed quite a bit. Because the reality is very few places and outlets and entertainment vehicles, if you will, go into anywhere near the detail that Ray and I do on a Who Would Win episode. I mean, that's just playing out the truth. Our audience, you know, wants this kind of stuff from us. They want our, our deliberation. They want our research and they want whatever comes from it, which kind of leads me to my next little thing, Race mm. to Canis. Uh, last week's episode of Mumra versus Bender from Futurama mm. caused a little bit of controversy online. Uh, and by little bit, I mean a ton of controversy online because of how the match ended up. Look, you did a great job debating uh, future, uh, Bender from Futurama, debate, you know, talking about his strengths you know, his abilities, crazy stuff, the tesseract he has within his stomach compartment, all beautiful stuff. I brought up Mamra, his magical abilities, his powers, wins against the Thundercats. And in the end, I just say, listen, his character is that he's kind of selfish and he's a coward and he likes to preserve himself at all costs. Our judge, Matthew David Rudd, great guy, the whole thing, gave the win. And I think a lot of that was because he said, yeah, I do think Bender would run away in a fight. And that's what did not sit well with our fan base. Race to Canis, I know in particular, it didn't sit well well with you how this has been something that we've been over for season after season now where we established a few different matchups before you know i had some 80s cartoon villains who were known for when things start to go poorly they run away but we posit on the who would win show these two characters are fighting and they are fighting to a conclusion so at the end of the day having it start with oh okay well they'll get started but there's no motivation for one of these characters to fight as much as the other so So therefore he would just leave the fight and run away. It doesn't sit well with anybody because it shouldn't sit well with anybody. The whole point of the show is that these two characters are fighting to a conclusion, not we're going to have a fight. And then one of them just checks out that does. That's not rewarding. That's not satisfying to our audience. So I would challenge Matthew David Rudd to come back on the show and apologize. He in fact wrote me a letter (laughs) of a DM afterwards after the match was over. And he said, I think I might've made a mistake with this decision. And I was like, well, if there's only something you could have done about it in the moment, I gave you three different paths to victory for Bender. And you chose to ignore three paths to victory. Cause you just decided for no good reason, Matthew, David Rudd star of jujitsu Kaisen, the movie number two in theaters worldwide, you decided that he just plain wouldn't fight, which is outrageous, unsatisfying, and quite honestly, disgusting.
You know, there's two things I got to say about this, right? Number one, this reminds me of what happened with the Megatron versus King Kong match, because I think the judge called you, you know, they gave the win to me representing King Kong against our Lord and Savior Megatron. That, by the way, that also didn't sit well with me. But didn't our judge call you after and say, hey, I made a made I may have made a mistake. It was even deeper than that. He straight up let me know I <clears> was <throat> wrong. I don't know what happened at the end of that battle. Is there any way I can go back and change it? No, get it right the first time. What are you doing? <laughs> well, the second point I want to bring up is that, you know, I see the validity in this argument. I really, really do. However, we've had characters on the show before where part of the, who they are, their makeup, if you will, is that they will do a tactical retreat. Batman, who, you know, I'm a fanatical Batman fan. Even I will admit that Batman will tactically retreat to get out of there to live and fight another day. That's kind of part of the character. With Bender, who's got Toon Force and a lot of great things, part of it is he needs to make sure that he's going to survive another day in case things get really, really bad for him. So playing devil's advocate, should we maybe include this? If we had a Batman battle and you were repping Batman and the judge said Batman would run away from this battle, there would be a riot in the streets of Ottawa that night. You'd be flipping bus is over and setting Tim Hortons on fire. I mean, I don't need a I don't need a reason to do any of those things. But no, he, here's the thing though. What I'm trying to kind of communicate is that if both combatants come to fight, but one of them has a history of saying of, of performing of like taking off and running from the fight when things kind of go awry or if the stakes get too high or if it's too tough of a fight, if that's part of the character, should that be brought up by one of the debaters for that matchup as a possible way to victory for whom they're representing? I've got a two-part answer to this. No, and what's wrong with you? We want a satisfying conclusion to these battles, not, well, I just think this one guy would just run away. No one's happy. That's a very classic Robert Clark Chan hashtag, nobody wins. It's time to introduce our guest judge, making another appearance on the Who Would Win show. It's the English voice of Yuji Itsudari of Jujutsu Kaisen. It's the star of an upcoming live-action superhero short... More details to follow. It's Adam MacArthur. Adam, welcome back to Who Would Win. Guys, I am so excited to be back here again. And this is an epic matchup. No one will be running away tonight. If you're going to have an epic matchup, you need an epic judge, such as yourself. You you were the Luke Skywalker versus Harry Potter judge. Yeah. You've done uh, Batman Beyond versus Daredevil. This is an Adam MacArthur match, if there ever was one. By the way, congratulations on being insanely busy. You are all over the place. you got great projects. You're working like crazy with voiceover world. You're all over the place doing great things on the convention circuit. And now... You are now uh, have a live action superhero short coming out shortly. Why don't you provide some details about that to our fan base, the Legion of Audience? Oh man, uh, well I don't know how much I'm allowed to say. It's uh, can 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 I say that you're involved? Can I say that you were one of the producers behind this project? Yeah, no. Go on. Okay. <laughs> sure. Uh, it's this this amazing indie comic book IP. There's some people who were involved with John Wick involved in this short. It's going to be like, there's going to be some amazing action. There's going to be some amazing fight choreography. I am very, very excited. We shot this back in December. And I think uh, sometime right. here in April, we are going to, uh, we're finally going to get to see it. I'm very excited. I was a villain. I got cast as a villain. So I'm, yeah, I'm very excited. That is exciting. Well, let you me know, tell, some, someday I hope to be cast as a villain in something, uh, and I wouldn't know what it's like. So, you know, what is your experience, Adam, of playing somebody that everybody hates? 
<laughs> well, listen, when you're when you're in those moments, you don't believe that everyone hates you. You know, when Interesting. you're acting as that character, you don't believe that everyone hates you. Vill- a villain just has a motivation that the majority of people don't agree with. So, you know, he just he just had misplaced motivation, that guy. Hmm. Interesting. So with all of that said, it is about that time. Ray, please do us the honors and announce today's matchup. Representing Marvel Comics, the professor who rejected schooling for insects that couldn't speak since they didn't have any presence. After all, he said, this is a school for gifted mute ants. Professor Xavier. And representing Star Wars, the Sith who excels at game shows since he always crushes the lightning round, Emperor Palpatine. Second one was good. The first one took a while. Not going to lie. Took a while. You know what? I like to say it built. It was a journey, but ultimately it paid off. Did it though? Okay. Well done, Ray. Now, before we go any further, let's go over the official rules of who would match, which are brought to you by Indeed.com, one of our great sponsors, and by the Geek and Game Facebook community, the best place, in my opinion, for all things to do with geek culture. Now, here are the rules. Rule number one, each debater will make three points. Rule number two, the who would win match is a random encounter in a neutral location with no prior knowledge of the opponent or time to prepare for the fight. Rule number three, the debater must stay within the confines of the character's personality and the exact version of that character has to be specifically stated. Now, Ray, you've got non-canon and then canon versions of Emperor Palpatine. Which version are you going with in today's matchup? If you know me by now, I'm not going with the fan fiction legends version. I'm going with the real version of Emperor Palpatine slash slash Darth Sidious. You gotta go canon version from the, the, the movies, comics, TV shows. You know who he is. You love him. Let's do it. You know, my favorite version of uh, uh, you know Professor Xavier was when he was on the spaceship traveling amongst the stars. He had like a Klingon on board and what have you. It was like a great run for about eight, eight seasons good, starting good, in the late 80s. Version. But I'm actually going to go. It is a good version, right? Uh, I think I'm actually going to go with the uh, Marvel 616 mm. comic book version because, you know, when you have 40 to 50 years of history, the there's a lot to pull there from. Is. What that? Why not, right? Rule number four, debaters may only use examples of skills, powers, or weapons that are long established part of the character's continuity. Feats from non-canon crossovers are allowed, but will be given less weight. Rule number five, the winner of the debate is whoever the judge decides is the best case for defeating their opponent by death, submission, or battlefield removal, and where no attack or threat can be made for at least two minutes. Rule number six, the judge is the final arbiter and can disallow or veto any point they feel violates these rules or established logic. And before we get started, don't forget to visit the official Who Would Win store. To get your very own, go to the Who Would Win Facebook page to get your hands on some Who Would Win merch. By the way, it's time to celebrate the Who Would Win Patron of the Week. Every week, we choose one of our amazing members of the Who Would Win Show's Patreon community and put them in a battle. Ray, which patron do we have today? Today's patron is none other than Austin Bishop. Austin Bishop is a newer member of the Who Would Win Patreon. Just showing the people out there, this could be you. Wow, okay, this is tough. You need someone who's intelligent, smart, can kind of fight. Okay, I got it. Let's have them go up against 
1989 Michael Keaton version of Batman. Ooh, okay, well, obviously Michael Keaton's in deep trouble right here. He's going to wish that he was Vulture by the end of this battle because the Michael Keaton Batman Ooh. will, you know, he's used to the world being a little bit sillier. It was like a dark take, which was different for the movie version of Batman at the time, but Jack Nicholson's Joker really did push it over the top as far as going there, as far as silliness. There was Joker gas in like clown balloons above the city that he snatched up with his with his bat wing and then flew up into the sky kind of a goofy movie and that's where it's going to fall down for him because michael keaton's going to be used to somebody who's nonsensical he's going to be used to fighting some of these weird what was in the second one the the penguin that had actual penguins that had rocket launchers on them what was going on in these movies these were considered dark brooding and gritty at the time they were weird Austin Bishop is a no-nonsense kind of a fighter. So Batman, you know, you're going to have Bruce Wayne, Batman, Michael Keaton version. He's going to rip the fireplace poker, smash the vase, and say, let's go nuts. And Austin Bishop is just going to calmly use his eye beams because he has them, and he's going to shoot a hole, two holes, right through, right through Michael Keaton, Batman's chest. He's going down. Austin Bishop takes the day with a no-nonsense approach. I can't argue with anything you said. That is purely logical and makes complete sense. By the way, my favorite animals at the zoo, penguins with rocket launchers. Yeah, they're the Go best. Go see them now. They're fantastic. Don't feed them, though. They don't get Bad too idea. close. Uh, all right, well done, Ray. Now, remember, you two can become a celebrated patron of the week. All you have to do is go to patreon.com slash show and sign up, and you may be featured in an upcoming episode of Who Would Win. Need to supercharge your hiring? You need a super hiring partner. You need Indeed. I've been a fan of Indeed.com for a long time and been singing their praises for even longer. You know, one of the things I love about Indeed is that not only can you find a great job on Indeed.com, start there, great place to look, but if you're hiring... You can invite candidates, right? Candidates you invite to apply are three times more likely to apply for your job than candidates who just kind of see it in a random search. That's according to US Indeed data. It's like you invite somebody and they feel welcome to your party, right? They're more likely to want to work for you or at least check out what this job's all about. And we'll get you one step closer to that hire by immediately matching you with quality candidates with Indeed. Indeed's going to do the hard work for you. It shows you the candidates whose resume on Indeed fits your description immediately after you post. You're going to find the people. They're going to put them right in front of you so you can hire even faster. And these are quality candidates. These are people who already meet your minimum expectations right off the top at the beginning. Join more than 3 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. Start hiring now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash WWW. Offer good for a limited time. Claim your $75 credit now at Indeed.com slash WWW. Indeed.com slash WWW. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. We have a new sponsor for Who Would Win, and I think y'all might enjoy this one. It is Marvel Strike Force. Marvel Strike Force is a mobile game that taps into everything we all love about Marvel Comics. You get to pick a squad of your favorite Marvel heroes, you know, and villains, let's keep it real, and team them up to fight big bads like Doctor Doom and, of course, save the universe. 
Your goal in Marvel Strike Force is to power up your characters and compete PvP against other players in multiple different modes. And you know I'm not telling you all about this empty-handed, because if you're a new user and sign up with our promo code MAXPOOL, M-A-X-P-O-O-L, you're going to get hooked up with all kinds of free stuff to get you started the right way. Let's face facts. You love Marvel, you love gaming, and you got a phone. So take a sec and check out Marvel Strike Force using the link in the description of this episode, ideally, and use our promo code MAXPOOL and get the whole Who Would Win show hookup. Thanks again to Marvel Strike Force, and thanks to me for this great read. Good job, me. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. In this life, it pays to zig when everyone else is zagging. Movement saw a stagnant marketplace for watches and accessories and changed it with their unbelievable prices on some pretty classy stuff. You know by now I love my Astro Blue watch. I wear it when I want to look good. When we do live Who Would Win shows again in 2023, I guarantee I will be wearing my Astro Blue watch. And you know what time of year it is. Get something classy for your loved ones and don't break your bank to do it. Be the good gifter with movement. During their seasonal sale, get a special discount just in time for the holidays. Join the movement today at MVMT.com. That's MVMT.com. Join the movement. And now, let's get to the tale of the tape for both of our combatants. Ray, please give us the details for Emperor Palpatine. Sheev Palpatine, a.k.a. Darth Sidious, is the master of the dark side of the Force. He went on to rule the Galactic Empire and therefore, you know, the galaxy. He was created by George Lucas and first appeared in The Empire Strikes Back in 1980. Originally starting out as a senator from Naboo, Palpatine orchestrated the invasion of Naboo and the Clone Wars in order to rise up through the ranks, taking power and declaring himself Emperor of the Galactic Empire. From there, he initiated Order 66, nearly killing all the Jedi in the universe. Palpatine is everything that is possible within the Force, twisted into a gnarled evil that cannot be stopped. Fun fact, and I've got two of them. Did you know the first actor to ever play Emperor Palpatine was a monkey? Yes, sorta. 
The Empire Strikes Back, his first appearance, George Lucas filmed scenes of the Emperor where he used a heavily made-up older woman in sort of a holographic projection kind of a deal, but he used the eyes of a chimpanzee superimposed over the woman to create an unnatural look for the character. Second fun fact, Emperor Palpatine will be appearing in the new Star Wars audio drama called Legacy, written by our very own Who Would Win Judge Crystal Storm. And in this audio drama that just came out, he will be played by an all-star among all-stars. That's right. Emperor Palpatine will be played by Ray Stacanus. So get ready, everybody. Oh, wow. Get ready. It's coming for you. That is Emperor Palpatine. Very cool. Okay, Sheev. Sheev is his first his name. His first name yeah, is Sheev. I, found that. I didn't know that. I found that out. Sheev, Sheev, Shlomo, Palpatine. I don't know. Sheev sounds very, actually, it's a very cool name. All right. Here are the important details for Professor X. Created by writer Stan Lee and artist co-writer Jack Kirby, Professor X, a.k.a. Charles Xavier, first appeared in the X-Men number one back in September of 1963. Professor Charles Xavier is the creator of the X-Men and founder of the Xavier School for Gifted Youngsters. His dream of peaceful coexistence between mutants and humanity has long been the driving force for the X-Men. An immensely powerful telepath and scientific genius, Xavier was one was among the world's greatest masterminds. From a social policy and philosophical perspective, Xavier deeply resents the violent methods of those like his former close friend and occasional enemy, the supervillain Magneto. Instead, he has presented his platform of uncompromising pacifism to see his dream come to fruition. One that seeks to live harmoniously alongside humanity with full civil rights and equality for mutants. This all tracks since the character of Professor X was created and developed during the civil rights struggle of the early 1960s. The fictionalized plight of mutant kind faced with intolerance and prejudice was meant to eliminate to audiences of the day what was transpiring across the United States and to promote ideas of tolerance and equality for all. And here's an interesting fact about Professor X. Did you know that Patrick Stewart playing Professor X in live action films may have been foretold in a comic book. It's true, maybe, possibly, kind of. In the Star Trek Next Generation X-Men comic book crossover series called Planet X, Dr. Crusher builds a hologram of Professor X based on longtime X-Men members Archangel's description. When the hologram appears of Professor X, Dr. Crusher thinks to herself that he looks strikingly like Captain Picard. You might be smiling at smiling this obvious and not quite so subtle nod to the X-Men movies, but here's the thing. The first X-Men movie came out in the year 2000, and the Planet X Star Trek X-Men crossover comic book series was released in 1998, well before the casting of the movie had ever begun. Was this another example of a comic book inspiring a live-action film, such as when Samuel L. Jackson became Nick Fury in the MCU due to the comic book character being drawn to resemble him? My money says yes. By the way, another audio drama is coming up starring the X-Men versus the Avengers. It's A versus X. And James Gavsey will be... I'm kidding. There's none of that at all whatsoever. There's no audio drama of that. I'm just, you know, wish I could be Professor X. And now you have the facts on both opponents. Adam, do you have any questions before we get started? No, nope, let's do it. That was very quick. Yeah. It was very decisive. Yeah. No, I'm ready. ready. I mean, I've been here before. You're you know ready? what I'm all saying? Right. I've been here before. I've, yeah, I've been this in this hat. spot. The You're good. Okay. The pressure's real, but I'm ready to just, like... Hear it out. I love it. All right, let's get this party started. Ray, hit us with your point number one. Point number one for talking about Emperor Palpatine. Now, one of the things that I overlooked before I went in to do my research into this battle is I'm used to Emperor Palpatine being a guy sitting in a throne with a robe who just shoots lightning at people and cackles uh, uproariously. But there is so much more to the character than just that. The first thing that I noticed is how often younger, even older Emperor Palpatine, whether he's Darth Sidious or whether he's, you know, 
achieved the emperorhood, if that's what you say, this man uses a lightsaber. This man's also been known to use two lightsabers at the same time, but let's just focus on the one for a second. Because the lightsaber, as we all know, is the ultimate cutting weapon in the entire galaxy. Let's face it, one shot from the lightsaber and Charles Xavier is getting cut in half. Chair and all. Doesn't matter where he's getting hit. He's getting hit. The lightsaber is going to be taking him out, taking out pieces of him, taking out the insides of him, taking off his head. I just want to reiterate, the lightsaber hurts when it hits you. Now, Darth Sidious was really known for being a master of form two, which is a fairly aggressive stance, but one that kind of keeps your options open and utilizes the force with it. He also was really known for his mastery of form three, form five, Form six, form seven. Who am I kidding? He knows and is a master of every single way to use a lightsaber. He's a master of every form and he will pick which form that he wants to use, change it up in the middle of a battle as well, based on what he's seeing, what he's getting back from the other person and what he needs to do in order to achieve victory. He's also ambidextrous, which means that he's equally good with his left hand as he is with his right. So he could absolutely throw the lightsaber from one hand to the other and duel you equally as well coming from the other direction if he thinks it would help him and that also helps him when he wields two lightsabers at the same time he's been able to fight off two master jedi at the same time one on the left one on the right without breaking a sweat quite honestly another thing he likes to do is enhance his speed he uses what's called force speed and this is what allows him to kind of bum rush people when when emperor palpatine decides he's going to fight you he tends to just hit you before you've even had a chance to react to it so unfortunately for Professor Xavier, who, let's face facts, is not the most mobile of characters that Palpatine could be facing. He's going to move really, really fast with the force speed, take the lightsaber, and cut him in half nearly immediately before Charles Xavier even has a chance to react to it. Heck, he beat Darth Maul and Savage Opress, which I believe they're brothers. He fought both of them at the same time. Both of them were kind of Sith masters, very, very powerful characters, and he just stomped out both of them. He stomped out both of them using a lightsaber as well as other means as well. In a duel, he beat Yoda. Yoda's known as a pretty powerful Jedi master. He was able to take him out. He beat Kit Fisto and two other powerful Jedi who were hanging out with the aforementioned Samuel L. Jackson's Mace Windu. He beat them by first off using the force speed, hitting the first two right away before they could even draw their lightsabers, fought off the other two, beat Kit Fisto right there, taking him out for good. And then when he lost, he loses to Mace Windu in that fight, but it could be easily argued, and I will, he lost that fight on purpose because he knew what it was going to happen. He knew Anakin Skywalker was coming into the room and he wanted to appear weak in that moment. So that way Anakin could be like the last step of being like, why are you beating on my friend, Mr. Palpatine over here? Look at him. He's a shriveled old man, Samuel L. Jackson. How dare you? He's not a snake on a plane. You should leave him alone. And then as it turns out, he just turns around and beats Mace Windu and knocks him out a window anyway, beating him at the end of this fight. If that was a who would win fight, Emperor Palpatine would have won. And the final thing I want to say is, you said it yourself, James. One of these two characters is a pacifist who doesn't like to fight, and the other one wrecks. I'm going to take the guy who wrecks over the guy who doesn't fight. Maybe for all I know, James, Professor Xavier would just run away from this battle. Maybe that's a real thing that would really happen in this battle. And that's my point number one. All right, the first thing I got to say is, are you bitter from last week's episode? A little. Got it. That's fair. Okay, so I, I I love this character. 
And then, Ray, I, my hat is off to you because you're actually repping him beautifully so far. But a couple things I got to push back on. Uh, first of all, Professor X is no longer in a wheelchair, right? I don't even think that would really matter, but he's no longer in a wheelchair. I'll explain more of that later. So he's back up and walking very, very mobile. On top of that, you're right. He did lose to Mace Windu. The current canon thinking is that the loss was not part of his master plan. The reason being is because he was taking a lot of physical damage from Mace Windu. I think uh, something was happening with Force Lightning, whatever. And that's when Emperor Palpatine's face got completely wrecked and disfigured into what we see today, or we saw at least in the third sequel of the whatever, Skywalker Rises, whatever that was. So all of that happened because of Mace Windu taking on, he was taking on literal damage. If this was part of his plan, like other parts, he doesn't take damage when he makes these long-term plans. In fact, I'm going to push back on this too. He's great at making long-term plans. Short-term plans sometimes don't quite go his way. More on that later. Let me get to my point number one, where I'm going to talk about the obvious, which is, did you know that Professor X has mental powers? I know it's it's obviously very, very true. Huh. But here's the thing. Most most people really, hold on, most people think that he can just read minds and put his mind into someone else's mind to communicate with them, kind of reside there. But the reality is that he has insane power and can do so much more. Look, he's already arguably the most powerful, no, he is the most powerful telepath on the planet Earth right now in the Marvel Universe and possibly one of the top telepaths within the Marvel Universe itself. It's that crazy. So what can he do? Well, he's got mind control. We has the power to control the minds of others upon just mere concentration. He's done this a lot. He was able to take over the Incredible Hulk who was rampaging and force him, got into his mind and reverted him back to Bruce Banner, caused him to calm down. Absolutely. He did that to Magneto who was also raging and rampaging the whole thing and just said, churn off. And Magneto, who's super strong-willed, all of a sudden is just Staying there in place, his mind is completely turned off, still breathing everything, but immobile. He can create realistic telepathic illusions and cause people to experience events that are kind of crazy. To them, Professor X can make people think that they're like paused in time because they just stop right? It's crazy what he can do. He's got a telepathic cloak where he can mask his presence from being detected by others. Uh, he's so strong with this, by the way, that other telepaths can't detect him as well. He can create a mental link with any person he chooses and create that perpetual connection. And that person sometimes doesn't even know that they're connected to Professor X. He's just kind of there lurking. He's got telepathic camouflage where he can mask his presence from people even further. Uh, let's see, he can disguise himself to make himself appear like anything he wants in the mind of that person. He's got a mind blast where he can place tons of information into a mind, the mind of a person, either to educate them or if he overloads it, it's an actual like download attack, which absolutely wrecks the person's brain and mind. He's got mind possession where he can possess the mind of someone else, uh, literally go into their body and operate them like a puppet. Literally, he's there operating himself and his mind can dually operate another person completely, occupy their mind, shut down the primary mind and take over that person. Let's see. He's got mind alteration where he's, uh, let's see, he can take on and actually alter the mood of someone that's pretty cool he can cause mental amnesia where he can erase particular and exact memories or cause total amnesia in another person or a group of people he's got mental shields where he, he's got a psychic barrier for protection even against uh, some of the other strong telepaths in the marvel universe he's got mental detection this one's really cool he can detect anyone from a very far distance who has the signs of mental powers which means that he can detect uh oh another telepath is coming i know where they're coming from i can sense it start to plan my defense my attack right away palpatine's 
is not sneaking up on anything he can do to in terms of what he's going to do with his attack on Professor X. Let's see, he's got mind transfer all. We can transfer his mind. Even if his body is dying, he can then put his body into another person's body and exist in there. He's still alive and can just wreck their mind. He can absorb information through telepathic learning. This is where he'll download everything and take everything he needs to know about Emperor Palpatine and absolutely understand his motivations, his skill set, what he plans on doing, his big plans, everything. He'll know more about Emperor Palpatine than Emperor Palpatine knows about himself. And here's the fun part. He's got astral projection where he can astral project his body is his, his essence out of his body so he's kind of like floating out in the air and when he does that his astral persona still always has all his mental powers to make things even better he can go into what's called the astral realm which is this kind of other higher dimension of existence and he can take someone's astral projection from them and put them into the astral realm as well and if they've never been there before if they have no idea where they are they are never mind the fact they're facing someone who's literally like a godlike being in this astral dimension mentions. Look, these are just some of the abilities Charles Xavier has. And again, this has to be noted, he can perform these powers on beings who are insanely strong telepaths, who have strong mind powers, have strong powers on their own. This is a very tough fight for Emperor Palpatine. That's my point number one. You're saying a whole lot of things right there, and I appreciate that you're going to lean a lot on the mental abilities of Charles Xavier, because what else do you really have to lean on? Now, I love you all of a sudden being like, sure, Professor Xavier, for like 99% of his entire history, was confined to a wheelchair apparatus of some kind. But in one very recent comic in the year 2022, he's up and walking around, so obviously the character is not known for that. Nonsense, James. If we're really going to take the most last recent version of the character like you always pretend to do, then we have to take the version of Professor Xavier from old man Logan, who can barely move anymore and his powers are fading. So if James, if you really want to go there to the most recent edition of Professor Xavier, I will be happy to take the old man Logan version of Xavier who has no control over his powers, can barely move, can barely keep focused and strong. That's fine, James, if that's what you want to do. Now, you want to talk about uh, Palpatine will not be able to sneak up on Charles Xavier. Palpatine can can mask his force presence. That's how he was able to uh, trick all the Jedi into thinking he was just a senator from Naboo. He once snuck up on Darth Vader because Darth Vader could not sense his presence because Palpatine is so good at hiding it. So I would push back hard at that notion from you. I loved the version of Professor X from Old Man Logan. You're talking about Logan the movie. We're, we're not arguing that version, by the way. We're arguing the Marvel 616 version. And after he was resurrected, more on that later as well, he was resurrected into a clone body with you know the original mind, and that clone body was up and walking, and he's walking around now. That would happen much earlier but than But you're also not arguing the clone of Xavier. You're, you're arguing Xavier, James. I, I wonder if someone else is using a clone body or not. I wonder if that's a thing. All right. Adam MacArthur, you've yes. heard one point from Ray, you've heard one point from me. Where is your mind at right now with this battle? This is really interesting. I feel like the, the the question I'm having right now is the telepathic strength of Professor X versus the force abilities. Like how do those sort of complement each other or negate each other? Like where does, you know, which one is stronger, I guess? Because Palpatine is strong. But Xavier seems very strong when it comes to the his telepathic ability. That is being argued. I feel like you're uh, of all the matches that I've that I've judged here. I feel like this was 
a very strong round one for James. I mean, a lot. you said a lot of things in round one. That could have easily been split up into three points. With with Ray talking about, you know, kind of negating, like, you know, Palpatine being able to sneak up because he can mask the Force, but he still can't mask his presence, is what I'm thinking, at least. But on the other side of that, the physical abilities. I mean, I'm tending to feel like we should stick with the Professor X who's in the wheelchair. But I'm I'm listening. I'm listening. I'm not closed off. But you know, fighting ability can that negate as far as like you know on Professor X's side the the fighting ability of Palpatine and the speed. The speed is something also I'm uh, paying attention to and listening as we move forward. Interesting points. All right. Sounds like you're leaning a little bit towards Professor X, but that Emperor Palpatine is still in the fight in a very big way. Is that correct? Definitely, definitely. I don't think you can count out Palpatine. And, uh, you know, I never know what you guys have up your sleeves as far as uh, your points go. So I I try not to make, you know, lean too hard in one direction. But I definitely would, I do feel like Professor X has the edge at this current moment. At this current moment. All right, there you have it. Okay, Ray, I'm expecting even more greatness from you, Representative Emperor Palpatine. Go ahead and hit us with your point number two. Point number two for Emperor Palpatine. I want to talk about the the mental abilities, the intelligence, the control, the persuasion, the smarts of Emperor Palpatine, because I'm not going to argue that Charles Xavier is a dumb character. Obviously, he is not. He's the leader of the X-Men. He's the leader for a good reason. He's the oldest. Now, my point of trying to say in all of this He's not actually the oldest. You end your hate mail right there. I know Wolverine's old. Get out of here. My whole point I'm trying to say is that Charles Xavier struggles. Charles Xavier struggles because of his inner morality. As you said before, he doesn't like to fight. He doesn't think that mutants should exude their physical or mental dominance on other humans, on other powerful characters. That's why a character like Magneto, who goes there with his Brotherhood of Evil Mutants, who I would argue are a a B-tier team of mutants compared to the actual A-team of the X-Men, where James would argue there's like seven or eight Omega level mutants on the X-Men and maybe one or two over on the Brotherhood, but the Dark Brotherhood of Evil Mutants always seems to get over on the X-Men and do what they want. Why? Because Magneto likes to go there. Magneto will push the envelope further than Charles Xavier is comfortable going. Who else is a character that will go there and is not afraid? Oh, Emperor Palpatine would probably go there even harder than Magneto. So if it comes down to the one that's going to want it more, the one that's going to go there more, you gotta look at Emperor Palpatine. Heck, let's talk about some of the wonderful things that Palpatine did, because as I said before, he was able to mask that he was an evil Sith Lord. He became the Chancellor, took over the entire Republic, issued Order 66. He knows exactly what he needs to do to get the outcomes that he wants. Charles Xavier is always, to me, at least sort of just winging it. He's like, we have a central tenant, we're going to be ideally nonviolent, and we're going to try to stop Magneto and stop the bad people, and we're going to try to, you know, again, be the face of civil rights, be the Martin Luther King type of character, and turn the other cheek. If you try to turn the other cheek against Emperor Palpatine, you have no more cheek left, because he has removed it from your body. Emperor Palpatine is also one of the most manipulative uh, characters you're ever going to see. He senses other people's emotions with the force, (laughs) which means that a higher tiered moral character like Charles Xavier can absolutely get bent and spun and turned around by a character named Palpatine who can sense what Professor X is about and immediately formulate a strategy on how to turn him around and get him to do what he wants. Remember, this is a character, Palpatine, who turns good Jedi evil. 
He turns Jedi to the power of the Sith over and over and over and over again. Why? Because he knows how to manipulate them in the moment. He's also accessed a thing called the World Between Worlds, where he attacked characters named Ezra and Ahsoka Tano in the Clone Wars cartoon. So I don't think he's worried about being taken to some astral plane when he just opens his own portals to the astral planes and then lightnings the crap out of anybody he sees when he goes there. That's just who this guy is. He also has precognition. He's got one of the highest levels of precognition, knowing what's going to happen in the future of any character that I've ever seen anywhere. He knows what he needs to do to achieve a certain outcome, and he uses the force in order to do it. So if there's a way to win this battle, he's going to use his force precognition and figure out how to make it work for him. And the last thing to talk about is that he killed his own mentor, Darth Plagueis, Darth Plagueis was, and stop me if you've heard this before, but a character who used mind uh, controlling and reading abilities, that's the guy who trained Palpatine, was a evil Professor X type of a guy, except for the fact that even before, as a young man, Palpatine, before he'd really even become, you know, massive uh, Darth Sidious and became the emperor, Early on in his journey, he could block out the mind-reading abilities of Darth Plagueis and ended up walking in and killing him when he was drunk, sure, but that's what he ended up doing. He ended up force-choking the guy's breathing apparatus and took him out that way. Why precognition? He knew that was the way he had to do it to achieve his own results. So if he can block out his mentor, Darth Plagueis' mind-reading abilities as a whelp, as a high height of his powers character emperor palpatine i don't see professor xavier powerful as he is i don't see him cracking into that to use his mind abilities so then you've got to revert to the physical and that's where palpatine's gonna wreck him and that's my point number two lots to push lots and lots and lots to push back on there so we're gonna make this quick first of all you're right xavier tries to stay you know uh more as the savior as opposed to the destroyer with that being said he has a long history of when he's like you know like so he sees that he's got to go up against a very strong opponent he'll shut them down magneto wolverine people he loves he has to do it and and what's weird is that he'll do it sometimes in really sinister ways because he does have a little bit of a mean streak he really does and he kind of goes into that and, and i'll go into more detail on that later where he'll shut someone down completely even if they turn into a babbling idiot and he's like i'm i'm rock Robbing you of your memories. I'm robbing you. I'm shut. I'm turning you into a vegetable right now. Boom. Because that's what you deserve. Killing you is too easy. That's not going to be a problem for him. Now, with all of this, you know, turning good Jedi evil, you're right. He does do that over time. It took, what, how many years and how many films for Anakin to finally embrace the dark side? It wasn't like it was something. It was masterfully done, by the way, but it definitely took decades of time and influence to actually make that happen. It wasn't like it happened within seconds. By the way, Professor X can make that happen in seconds. When it comes to telepathic powers in Star Wars, they're cool, but they are a fraction of the telepathic capability that you know uh, really strong telepaths have in comic books, especially in Marvel, like something like Professor X. Now, the one thing I'm going to push back hard on is you were talking about this world within worlds within Star Wars Rebels. It was a great episode. Ezra, one of the main heroes of the show, is in there. And what he's doing in this place is he's accessing points in time because he wants to change the past and what have you. And when he accesses these points in time, one of them, he accidentally accesses a point of time where Emperor Palpatine is. Palpatine senses Ezra looking at him, tries to come through the portal and take it over, but can't actually do it, can't capture uh, Ezra. Portal closes on Palpatine. Ezra gets out of there just in the nick of time. It wasn't like he was controlling it. He just happened to be there when Ezra opened a portal to where he was at that moment. Okay, now, let's kind of talk more about 
Professor X, my point number two. See, Ray, you kind of talked about it. Charles Xavier, he's a genius. He's one of the smartest people on earth. He's a master tactician. He comes up with insanely great strategies and complex plans over time. But unlike Emperor Palpatine, he can also do that on the spot. He's created contingency plans to defeat all the X-Men and a whole bunch of other superheroes uh, and supervillains uh, on on the Marvel, you know, plan, on planet Earth, the Marvel Universe. Uh, even Jean Grey, who is eerily similar to Emperor Palpatine in terms of types of powers and overall power. And, you know, on top of that, Charles Xavier, he served in the United States military. Uh, he used his abilities to kind of, you know, do search and rescue missions. I mean, this is just a good guy. He's got layers and layers. He's also a master martial artist, by the way, which means he understands fighting. Just kind of a fun fact. He traveled the world seeking out different martial arts instructors in a very similar way that Batman uh, did as well. In fact, I think it was actually mentioned with Professor X in comic books before the Batman ethos actually took that over. So... The other cool part is that he's got more impressive powers than what I laid out in point number one. So first of all, he's got something called a psychic wave manipulation. And this is where he can give his psionic power through, a, he gives it physical substance so that it affects the material world through his telepathy. All that means is he can shoot out a wave of psychic power that affects people. It's almost like a the, you know huge telekinetic push or whatever, but it is a wave. It's almost like Cyclops' eye beams. Not as powerful, but also, but they are powerful themselves. They've KO'd uh, insanely powerful people. Sentinels, which are three stories high, super strength, who hunt down mutants. He takes them apart with his psionic wave manipulation that he shoots out. So he does have physical attacks that he can shoot from a long range away. He's got psionic blasts where he can project psionic force bolts, which have no physical effect, but they can actually completely destroy a victim's mind. It causes insane pain, unconsciousness if he decides to go easy, but it easily can kill people, and he's killed people for it who with it, who are extremely powerful telepaths as well. This is something he's got in his back pocket. He's got telekinesis. He can lift stuff. He can hold people up in the air. This is kind of common fare for people with mental powers within the Marvel Universe. I'll talk more about that in my next point. He's got a form of a very powerful intoxicating mind fog, something I love to use all the time, where Charles Xavier can shut off the brain's ability to call on powers or even the methods to use magic or the ability to access skills and keep the rest of their mind intact. So against this powerful view, he was called the Vanisher, Xavier shut off their uh, brain's ability to call, call upon their mutant power, and he did it easily. And the Vanisher's like, I can't use my power. I don't know what's happening. Nothing else feels different. And Professor X is just like, I, I do this all the time. I just shut off your your brain's ability to use whatever mutant gene you've got. It's not happening. If you can do that, what can you do to midichlorians? I hate that, by the way. What can you do to midichlorians floating around Emperor Palpatine in great degree? He can shut off his mind's ability to at least access them or at least impede that ability. This is something he's also done to the, the strongest telepaths within the Marvel Universe, Emma Frost and Jean Grey. He shut down their abilities to use their powers. That is insane. He can also amplify his own physical strength, speed, and durability and endurance big time by using his mind. He just uses his brain and his mind and the power of his mind to amp everything up. Look, the one time he's in this uh, elevator with Storm, the elevator doors open and this huge tentacled monster, you just see this massive green tentacles, grab Storm and Professor X is like, I got to focus my mind to my physical strength. He grabs onto a chunk of the elevator door and then grabs onto Storm and actually holds her there so the tentacled monster can't pull her off. It was crazy. Didn't know he could do that, but he can. By the way, speaking of range, yet again, all of this stuff that he can do for our ranged attacks, he can shoot this from miles away. He can affect people from the distance from you know space to the uh, you know surface of the earth. This is not someone who has to be in close range to fight Emperor Palpatine. He can stay very far away so the physical attacks won't be so daunting. But he has one more ability that will play in this fight in a very big way. See, unlike many other superheroes, 
Professor X, I talked about this, he will go there, okay? He's killed people that, you know, permanently maimed them. I've already mentioned this before, but I gotta bring it down, up again. When he sees he's up against someone who's insanely dangerous, who's a big threat, he'll think of two things. Gotta shut this guy down or this person down, and I can't let this threat be a threat to the rest of the world. I gotta deal with them right here, right now, in a severe way. That's his MO. Look, against an opponent like Emperor Palpatine, you're not gonna get someone more dangerous. You're not gonna get someone more bloodthirsty, more hungry for power. This is something Professor X has encountered a number of times, just a whole lot stronger, and he has a great track record against those more powerful beings. In the end, this fight's not looking good for Emperor Palpatine. That's my point number two. See, that's the problem with your argument, James, is if he knows the guy is coming, he'll have a chance to go there. But Palpatine can mask his abilities to the point where he will not know that it's coming until it's far too late. And you talk about a character named the Vanisher. Nobody knows who the Vanisher is. Nobody cares. The Vanisher vanished from anyone's knowledge of, that he ever existed. That's not a good reference right there. And, oh, he shut down characters' mutant powers. That's fantastic. To quote Han Solo, that's not how the Force works. Just because he can shut down a mutant power that he understands does not mean he can just shut down the Force. You've got to be kidding me with all that and also oh he can hit people from far away do we think this battle is happening from opposite sides of the earth these two are sharing a battlefield together so it doesn't really matter how far away because charles xavier is not gonna be wheeling himself so far away and so quickly that that palpatine can't keep up with him okay that's outrageous now one of the things i want to talk about is you talk about, oh, he does really well. He really, he achieves well in these big battles, except Professor Xavier doesn't. He dies all the time. When looking up how many times Xavier has died, people just lop lopped off to the top 10 times that he's died. He's died like every single year in the 50 years of his existence. He's been killed by Magneto snapping his neck because he realized he could just do that. Wolverine stabbed him to death. Cyclops blasted him to death. Bishop just showed up and shot him once in the face and killed him. Cable killed him. He got killed by an, an H.R. Geiger-inspired alien called the Brood. They just went inside him like the alien monsters from Aliens and killed him. And you know who else killed him multiple times? His own son, Legion, who is a powerful telepath who has a lot of the same abilities as Emperor Palpatine. So at the end of the day, Xavier's done here. Lots of pushback, even on your pushback, but I won't because we're at the turning point. And this is where you, Adam, have to kind of tell us who you think is ahead in the battle and what the other side has to do to pull off the win. Uh, this is uh, this is a very tough one. I feel like, again, going into this, even up until I would say up until that rebuttal, I was still very much leaning towards Professor X as as being in the lead here. However, Ray has a great point. The fact that Professor X has died many times, he's been killed by these other people, all seemingly from physical attacks, it, it just gives me pause. It gives me pause because how fast can Palpatine move? You know, that was brought up in Ray's uh, first point. How fast can he move? Can he move quick enough that Professor X doesn't realize what's happening. Now, just like the basic rules of the Who Would Win show, there's no prior knowledge of the opponent. Do they know they're going to a battlefield? Is that a common, that, like, they know they're going? Or they all do the know sudden that once, yeah, once, once, once it's on, they both know it's a fight. They okay. both know that something's up. So they, they magically appear. It's like Secret Wars 2. They're on Battle World. It's whatever. They know that, they know, they know what's up. 
Yes. Okay. I do have one point of clarification or a question for Ray specifically. You mm-hmm. keep going back to the fact that Palpatine can mask his presence from people, so he could mask his presence, you know, in, in with in with Professor X. But the examples you used, he just masked his basically the fact that he uses the Force. He didn't mask that he was there. Correct. Correct. He, he just masked. He, he's not. He's not turning invisible, but he's he's hiding how powerful he actually is. And I think that's an important distinction to make when dealing with a Charles Xavier type character who is not going to potentially take this old man in a robe seriously until it's way too late. Got it. Okay. Uh, I'm slightly leaning just a hair over the edge towards Palpatine at this current moment. Okay, very cool. I like the back and forth, but I think I've got what it takes to win this. But Ray, you never know for sure. So go ahead and hit us with your point number three. Point number three for Emperor Palpatine, and where we really bring it home is we've only kind of danced around the force up to this point. Let's put his force powers front and center because that's where ultimately he's going to win the day. He has immense force powers. It's not the kind of thing Xavier's going to be able to just shut down. Not only is he attuned to the dark side of the force, he's been studying the force and his own relation to it for literal decades. He's been mastering and honing his power. He develops new force powers. He's like an inventor of force powers. You know, he's in his little workshop creating new ways to bend and twist the force to hurt people on the battlefield and he's developed abilities that never existed before he started using them. He invented something called a force storm where he just creates a wild like rippling force storm around him. It's exactly what it sounds like and it just occasionally zaps people who are stuck inside that radius with force powers. He doesn't even have to control it. It's like a thunderstorm made of the force if you can imagine that. Yeah, he's super crazy powerful. He's the ultimate dark Lord of the Sith at the end of the day. He's the most powerful dark Lord of the Sith to have ever existed or that likely will ever exist. He's so powerful. They had to bring him back for episode nine because they knew at the end of the day, there was no getting more powerful than Emperor Palpatine. So just wheel him back out for the finale of there. A little bit of a letdown, but whatever that movie was. I love that movie. Who am I kidding? I love that movie. The big powers that he uses of the force, though, force pull, force push. He can shove people or he can bring them towards him. Very, very important. Charles Xavier is not going to want to be near Emperor Palpatine because if he gets within lightsaber range, he's dead. Well, using the force, he could shove him over a cliff if he wanted to or yank him forward like Scorpion from Mortal Kombat. Get over here. Let me take off your head with this lightsaber. He was able to do it to Darth Maul who is another, you know, very powerful Sith. He's able to do it to basically every single person he's wanted to. He was able to force choke two Mandalorians, lift them up in the air simultaneously and choke them out while he just walked past them during the Clone Wars. He also likes to use telekinesis. Now we know Xavier uses telekinesis as well. Well, he uses something called a lightning bomb, which I just discovered through this. He basically force charges like Gambit would. He force charges a large object and then hurls it at you to the point where when it hits you, it explodes with force power. That's ridiculous. (laughs) He has a defensive ball that he can put around him existing of the force. In other words, it's an impenetrable shield of just force power that can repel attacks. At one point during the movies, he he was able to use the force to grab these large Senate pods when he was fighting Yoda and just chuck them 
just throw him at him as much as he wanted to. He's used his force abilities to pull starships out of the sky. You're going to tell me he can't do that to an old man in a wheelchair? You've got to be kidding me. And he uses force lightning. That's his number one go-to power. We've seen him do it a million times. He uses it in a way that often catches people by surprise. And he catches people by surprise who, one, are very attuned in the force, and two, know who he is. He caught Yoda by surprise with it, and he killed Mace Windu by catching him by surprise with the force lightning attack. It was so powerful that if you remember from the prequels, when it got reversed back on him, it like melted his hands and face a little bit, disfiguring him. Why? Because that's how powerful it is he could even hurt himself with it. Heck, he beat Vader. He beat Darth Vader just straight up in a fight uh, just because he wanted to using what? Force lightning. Okay. And the last things I want to talk about here is one time, you know, talk about long range. He once force choked Count Dooku from across the entire universe while showing him a holographic projection. So you want to talk about your planet powers. That's great. If Palpatine's in a different universe, he can choke you to death with his force choke and he's not afraid to do it. And I just want to recap Darth Plagueis. His mentor uses mind-controlling and powering abilities, and as a young man, I'll say it again, he was able to not allow him in his head. You're able to do that there. You can do this here now against Xavier. I'm terribly sorry, but this battle is over, and it's going to be quick. And that's my point number three. Adam, to kind of answer something, Professor X can see through people's uh, disguises, mental disguises, and he can detect easily their intentions. I think that's kind of what you were asking about before. Like, can he note of someone's intentions? The answer is yes. He's a master of seeing through deception, especially even with like strong telepaths. He's like, I got this. I know what they're all about. You know who Something else can do all that? Time. All the Jedi and they failed. Right, but here's the thing. The tele telepathy within Star Wars is a different animal than telepathy within the Marvel Universe. Telepathy is a small component of the Force, you know, in terms of powers that you can use with the Force, whereas telepathy within the Marvel Universe, especially when you're, you're the master of it, the premier master of it, that's a completely different. That's like saying, hey, I can lift a ton. Here's Superman who can lift 100 tons or more. That's kind of the comparison here. Now, by the way, he didn't kill Mace Window. It was Anakin who knocked him out of the window, seemingly having him fall to his death. But there's a strong rumor Mace Window is coming back. Hint, hint, nudge, nudge, Disney+. Plus. All right, let me get to my point number three, and let's kind of separate everything here. Now, I'm going to go there, and I'm going to do what I do best, and I'm just going to throw outrageous stuff into the mix because, Race to Canis, you did it with your point number three, and you did here it quite we well, go. mind you. Here we go. So let's talk about big wins, big feats, and some upgrades. Here we go. So let's talk big wins. So he's beaten Wolverine. That's someone who likes to fight, who has sharp objects, who's known to destroy anyone with swords and what have you. Yeah, he's beaten Wolverine a number of times. He's beaten Storm, an Omega-level mutant who controls weather and can create four storm or storms of her own that are insanely strong that could you know hurt the Earth and the whole thing. He's beaten her. Magneto, another uh, Omega-level mutant. And he's beaten Magneto a number of times. One time he beat Magneto by literally taking his mind away. Literally, he's like, gone. And Magneto's just, he's just, he's still alive. Kept him alive, everything. Mine was literally just, he's like, I'm just going to remove it and I'll hold it. And it's gone. That's against Magneto. By the way, Magneto is considered to have an insanely strong will, a super powerful mind as well. Let's see. He's also beaten a small, little insignificant character called the Dark Phoenix. Yes, Professor X took on the Dark Phoenix, who is a literal force of nature, can destroy entire solar systems, possibly galaxies, and has also beaten Galactus, right? I'm saying Dark Phoenix has beaten Galactus. Now, let's talk about some big feats. 
Uh, let's see. He Professor X mind wiped the entire Brotherhood of Evil Mutants with a quick thought. Literally uh, saw them, said, you know, I got to shut this fight down. Yeah, I'm just going to shut your minds down. Gone, done. Did that, took him out in two seconds. He used telekinesis to trap this robot. I always find the name kind of funny. It's a biblical reference, by the way. It's a robot named Nimrod. It's a sentinel from the future. Nimrod is insanely powerful. It's considered a planetary threat whenever it's on planet Earth and appears in this timeline. And it can destroy continents, destroy the planet. Like I said, planetary threat. And Professor X used his telekinesis to hold him in place in the air and said, you know what? You're too threatening as is. And took him apart piece by piece, completely disassembling him with in moments. That's what he did to a massive, powerfully powered robot, artificial AI, whatever, and just took him apart like it was no problem. He gave telepathic resistance to everyone on Earth for a short time. That's kind of cool. He projected the fears of the entire planet of the Skrull race into Galactus's mind. So Galactus destroyed the you know Skrull homeworld. Professor X gets shot back in time. He uses astral projection, one power, shows up in front of Galactus before he's about to take out the Skrull homeworld and says, listen, I want to change the future. And Galactus is like, no, why would you? And he says, let me kind of convince you why. He takes the combined fears and hopes and, you know, whatever of the entire Skrull race, which at least is hundreds of millions of people, if not more, takes them all and puts them into Galactus's mind, which is crazy because Galactus has one of the most powerful minds in the universe. He's also a literal force of nature that destroys any planets. That's what Professor X does. By the way, let's talk about some upgrades. So now this is part of canon as well. He's had this for quite some time. We know about Cerebro, which is this thing you see uh, that he's got in this basement. Cerebro is something that he plugs himself into. It's a supercomputer he designed. It helps him detect mutants. It magnifies his powers anywhere from 50 to 100 times. It's crazy. Well, now he's made that into a portable mobile unit. He wears it like a helmet. So now he's got that. So all of his powers get magnified dramatically when he wears Cerebro. Now, I was going to bring in the Mind Stone, did some research because he's part of the Illuminati. These are people, a secret group together, Doctor Strange, Black Panther, all the coolest people, Tony Stark. And they all had, after an encounter with uh, the Infinity Gauntlet, they all kept an individual stone. He had that for a while. But I think he doesn't have that anymore, so I'm not going to include the Mind Stone because race to Canis, I'm ridiculous. I'm not that ridiculous. Look, when you put all this together and you see who he's beaten, you understand there's one thing that Professor X can do, and that is shut down someone who is a massive threat to both the planet, to himself, to whomever it is. And he takes it upon himself to say, no, 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 I'm in this fight. You need to be stopped. I'm doing everything and anything necessary to take you out. All of a sudden, he's going to take... Uh, Emperor Palpatine into the astral realm where Emperor Palpatine's never been there before and he's like wait what's happening and that's where Charles Xavier has true command and is the ultimate force user if you will in that domain the thing is he's got too many big wins against way more powerful opponents with massively insane mental powers possibly unmatched on the planet earth that's how he beats Emperor Palpatine and that's my point number three you are stretching uh, credulity at this point, James Gavsey, with some of these points uh, that I just have to talk about. He started a newer version, a young version of Charles Xavier, who I believe is Xavier put in the body of a clone, started in the year 2020, late in 2020, and made a version of Cerebro he could wear in his head. That is hardly natural to the character that's existed since the 1960s. He's around for 60 years one way. They create one weird version of him now and suddenly you're like, that's him. That's the guy. 
That's not the guy. That is not natural. The character Cerebro is a thing he has to go to get inside that will not be here. What does Dar- does Darcidius does Emperor Palpatine get to use the Death Star then? Does he just get to go be on the Death Star since you just suddenly have Cerebro? I wouldn't argue that and you shouldn't be arguing that either. Look, at the end of the day, I've already outlined exactly how Palpatine wins this matchup. He stands in front of him and says, I'm just a guy in a robe, masking his true intentions, as he's been able to do against literally every force-attuned Jedi in the entire universe of his world. And he just won't see it coming. He's going to move too fast. Just like Bishop shot him in the face. Wolverine stabbed him with the claws. Uh, Cyclops blasted him. An alien and, and from the movie Aliens went inside of him and ate him. Look, there, there's a lot of things that Xavier can do at his peak and his pinnacle, but he's not going to be ready. Palpatine's got the precognition to know exactly what he needs to do in order to pull this thing off. He's too physical. He's too fast. And... I don't think at the end of the day with the Darth uh, Plagueis example that Xavier is even going to be able to crack the force to get into his mind in the first place. It's going to end the same way it ended with Bishop. Just a big hole right in the center of his head because let's face it, we've seen Palpatine die like what, once or twice? We've seen Xavier die like 20 times and there's a good reason for that. That's all I got to say. So out of like what, four appearances or five appearances, Palpatine's died twice. That's not a good track record. And you're only talking about the movies. He existed in the comics, the video games, the, the animated series, the Clone Wars series. He's, it's not just like he's only been in those four movies, James. Shame on you. Sure. Still a lot of death for a few appearances. All right. With that being said, I love the character, though. With that being said, Adam MacArthur, you've heard three points from me. You've heard three points from me. It's time for you to make a decision. Take us through your process. Tell us a story, if you will, and reveal who you think wins this battle between Emperor Palpatine and Charles Xavier. This is actually a much more difficult to judge match than I would have suspected. Ray's points are mostly physical attacks with some masking to keep mental attacks out. And I would say, James, your your main points are the overwhelming psychic ability and telekinetic ability of Professor X are just like on another world basically on another level that couldn't couldn't be defended against in the way that Palpatine would defend against. I think Ray said a few times he would get the jump physically on Professor X because he would be using masking and all that kind of stuff. I think in the realm of who would win, I asked something earlier and you said that both of these guys know that they're here to fight each other. So there isn't really an like a necessity to mask at that point your intention maybe you're maybe what you're going to do as far as an attack goes or maybe your strategy you're masking but you both know that you're there to try and subdue each other or kick each other off the battlefield or kill each other i feel like it then becomes a battle of who moves more quickly a physical attack or a mental attack and even if it's an overwhelming physical attack I think an overwhelming mental attack is going to be much faster and harder to defend against. So therefore, I'm giving the win to Professor X. That is terrible. And what there you, you have it, Adam about? MacArthur. A brilliant wow. analysis. The speed of movement, the speed, your reaction speed, etc. versus That's the speed awful. of thought. 
Adam MacArthur, you are brilliant. <laughs> you are amazing. I love what you went where you went with this. And I got to tell you, Ray, you surprised me. Your points were fantastic. You completely threw me with the order of your points. That was brilliant. I really didn't know where this was going to go. Really great job on your part, Ray Sicanus. However, with that being said, Professor X got the win. Adam MacArthur, have. you are a national treasure. You know, are you more of a Star Wars person or a Marvel person? I, I, I've been meaning to ask you this for a while. Ooh, um, I'm probably split. I'm probably split. Mm, okay, I'm like 60-40 Marvel. Interesting. But that did not influence my decision. If this was a fight, maybe like over time, Palpatine has some great strategies. If he had like yeah. 15, 20 years, could he turn Professor X? Could he like turn him? I don't know. But this is, we're not talking about over time. We don't have a bunch of movies to do this in. We have this fight right here in front of us. And you know know what's funny? Part of what you just said, and and Ray, I was hoping you didn't bring this up. uh, Professor X actually has what he calls a dark side, where if he gives into it, he goes completely mental. That was the half of him with the bad side of Magneto that created that character Onslaught. In Marvel Comics, he does have a dark side. I'm like, Ray, please don't tap in the dark side. Don't tap in the dark side. Luckily, that kind of stayed out of it. Well played, Ray Sicanus. How do you feel right now with this match? It it wouldn't have made sense uh, given my argument. I don't know what Adam's talking about right now, to be honest with you, because I've established through literally all three of my points that he has defenses against mental attacks, where Xavier has no defense against force lightning whatsoever. I, I just don't even understand. My my argument was flawless. I presented with you a perfect scenario that would actually happen. You know when the mind wasn't faster than the hand? When he was fighting, I don't know, Magneto, Wolverine, Cyclops, Bishop, Cable, the Brood, Legion multiple times. Some other guy I'd never even heard of before who beat him the Vanisher? Uh, physically. No, the <laughs> Vanisher. Get out with that nonsense. What was that guy's name? Who even cares? grotesque he lost to a guy named grotesque who doesn't even matter and you're gonna sit here and tell me despite the fact that he's lost dozens of times physically that suddenly this one magical time against a guy who has defenses perfectly for what he's gonna try to do it's just gonna be too much that is nonsensical Adam MacArthur, I am outraged by this decision. <laughs> Obviously, hashtag Ray was robbed. Guys, this is the second one in a row where I put together the exact way that the battle would go. The judge looks at me and apparently has been reading a book or something. He's studying He's studying the three musketeers while I'm presenting all of my points because it's like a D'Artagnan what? I don't know. James wins. I don't know how these judges keep coming up with these nonsense arguments, but whatever it is for James, it's working. I'm just going to have to go back to using logic, reason, and actual points that would actually happen, and someday I'll find a judge who understands it. Hey, you know what I'm not going to do? Call you next week and tell you that you were right. (laughs) (laughs) We'll see. This is a death. We'll see. You know, a a quick question for you, Adam MacArthur, because, you know, for those that don't know, Adam MacArthur is an amazing martial artist, great judo, great striking. uh, No, seriously, all seriously, a great guy altogether, but an amazing martial artist. I think they are both very, very high level. But the problem is, and this is why hashtag Ray is wrong, is this fight takes place in an instant. You are assuming that Palpatine will know what kind of attack is coming when he's looking at this guy across from him, but he will not know. He doesn't know if it's physical. He doesn't know if it's mental. So the fact that it's mental and can happen in an overwhelming fashion in an instant, to me, 
is what gives Professor X the edge here, and which is why I picked Professor X. He, Adam, he's in a wheelchair. He's not going to kick his butt. It's the power Literally. of the mind. It's the power of the mind. Uh, by the way, people in wheelchairs <laughs> are amazing. You know, get, are insane athletes. Can do. How dare you race to Canis? You are a monster. That is just that is so. I'm rugged. just saying, if you put me in an arena battle and my opponent's in a wheelchair, I think I have a general idea how he's going to try to beat me, and it's not going to involve being kicked. That's all I'm trying to say. You never yeah, but know. Professor X's chair you is never, floating and no. can ram you at high speeds. I think that guy's still got a fighting chance. With all I'd that love being to said, try. Adam, thank you so much for coming back on the show. I can't wait for the world to see you in live action as a supervillain with telepathic powers in the short film that's coming out. Again, we're not giving you a name or giving up, but it'll be coming out soon. The Legion of Audience will find out about it. But again, I just have to stress, not only are you talented martial artist, voiceover, you know, pro like no one else's business, but in terms of just being a great actor overall, you are superb thank you for being part of that project tell everyone where they can find you online you can find me at ninjamac n-i-n-j-a-m-a-c on everywhere twitter instagram tiktok even uh yeah come find me very cool ray again great job today you debated masterfully you were fantastic if i got the win it was it was just because i just got the win tell the world where they can find you online well, I'm going to tell you right now, I'm not going to be trying to go find Adam MacArthur because I've seen how high he can kick, and I'm not interested in finding out if he can kick even higher. So I will say that right now. I will sit comfortably in my chair and hurl insults from my chair. You can find me online at Almighty Ray, obviously. Hashtag Ray was robbed. You guys... Uh, hashtag Rainiacs, hashtag Awkward Allies. You keep seeing I'm coming out with the strongest arguments, those obviously strongest characters, the clear lines to victory. And James just flails around and says, my guy is strong. And the judge just goes, I guess James guy is strong. This is absolutely outrageous. I'm going to have to put this one to another poll. Last week, last week, I won the poll. I should have won week five, so we've reversed that decision. This week, if I get 15, 1-5, 15% of the vote, that's enough to reverse this decision. That's how overwhelming my victory should have been. Uh, race to Canis, race to Canis. You are adorable and a national treasure. Not so much the last piece. You can find me on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook by typing in at James Gavsey. Remember to join the official Who Would Win Facebook group to make a suggestion for a matchup for the show and to be part of our growing community. You can also find us on Instagram and TikTok at Who Would Win Show. Don't forget to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever else you go for your podcasts. On behalf of myself, Race to Canis, the Geek and Game Facebook community, and the rest of the amazing Who Would Win production team, thank you once again for checking out another episode of Who Would Win. We'll see you next time. Hey gang, I hope you enjoyed this episode and love listening to the show as much as we enjoyed making it. Quick reminder that you can support us by going to patreon.com slash show right now. Okay, gotta prepare for next week's episode. Hope the rest of your day is full of wins. Hi, I'm Erica. And I'm Cassandra. And we're the hosts of Trashy Trashy. We're a podcast filled with trashy news stories and garbage people. Did you leave the scene of an accident to go tanning? Do you refer to wearing the strap down on your Crocs as sports mode? Have you ordered Domino's online before they even open in the morning? Are you switching the same AAA batteries from your TV remote to your vibrator instead of just buying more batteries? Or are you normal? 
Check us out wherever you download podcasts. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun... Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.